There are 20 ladies here on scholarship. And that's a big, big deal because you, as BSLs, give to scholarship. And, and this is our kickoff every year for the next year for ladies to be able to come to, uh, to BSL retreat because we don't want to turn down anyone. And you always, always give. You always give. And so uh, there are 20 ladies that were able to be here because of you. And so we are asking that uh, your free will offering tomorrow that you give from your heart because somebody sitting next to you that you might not know is here because you gave, because you gave. In fact, um, I got this email and it says, I'm so excited and can't wait for retreat this year. I'm really praying that my sister has a great time and she takes a lot with her. I just want to thank you for all you did to help me find Jesus and really turn my life around uh, three years ago at BSL retreat. This retreat that you do every year is just remarkable and changes people's lives. I look forward every year to going. This is my third year. I really need the retreat to really give me a boost. I can feel so beaten down sometimes, and it really recharges me and sends me home a better person each time. And so, and so this is just one of many. And this year, this sweet lady invited her sister, and her sister is here because of that. And so we're so thankful for that. So um, between... Between Fort uh, as, a, um, as a ministry and us as a ministry, you know, we want to just be able to um, give sacrificially as he's given to us. So we thank you for that in advance. Um, the other thing I want to share is that, uh, you know, God, God just continues to do the miraculous. He just continues to, you know, just that's how he works. He works mysteriously. We just do the next right thing, and he just continues to do the miraculous. And he shows himself, and he wants to show the most glory, the most time with the most people. That's, who he, that's what he does. That's who he is. And so um, on the website, it's, you know, margofiesler.com. Do check it out, like Karen said. Thank you, Emmy, for keeping it up to date. And all new photos will be in and things like that. And so we're so, you know, praising the Lord for that. And the listen now is on there. You can listen to all the teaching and and this will be on there. And thank you, Nicole Gogger. Where is she? Thank you. Thank you for editing stuff and putting it on. It's a huge blessing. And, and for all yeah, those... Just to interrupt, for those of you who don't know, Margot does have those teachings. If you can't make a BSL, you can go and hit Listen Now, and then you'll hear the past teachings. So right. you can't, if you can't make any of those because you're not from the area, you can do that. And the talks, like she said, the talks from this weekend will be there. As well, right. Well, uh, Kelly, who comes on Monday nights... Uh, her mom is now teaching Daniel uh, to her ladies in a Bible study in Florida from the Daniel that she is using from Listen Now. Uh, and then I received, uh, uh, at margofiesler.com, it's the email that comes there, I received this email and it says this, Dear blessed and precious servant of our Most High God, Pastor Margot, and friends in the Lord, much Calvary and, and royal blessings through the saving name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Hoping and trusting that by God's divine grace in Jesus, you are doing fine in his ministry over there. We are a young Christian fellowship from Kenya, Africa, which meets under a shade of a tree for prayers and worship services every Sunday. We go to your ministry website and are glad to pass our, and are glad to pass our gratitude on for your true and divine teachings. This is what we use for our church service. Wow. Is that the coolest? Out of all the millions of websites that Kevin Niabuto, right, Niabuto, God led him to that. And he said, the people listen, and then they've asked me to come and be their pastor. <laughs> Is that the sweetest? So that's our next road trip. So, 
Kenya, Africa, here we come. Uh, and, I mean, just so sweetly, he said, if, if, if you, we hope your coming will be a great blessing to us and our community at large. Kindly appreciate to impact lives to the course of Christ if you could ever come. You know, but, but guys, just when you think that you're just doing the mundane, like, like Nicole, she, you know, she's putting it in and she's doing this, or Karen puts the devos on, or when I'm writing devos, I'm like, Lord, give me this, this, this. You know what? It's for his kingdom. It's for his kingdom. It's the unseen that he's doing. It's unseen. The unseen is way busier than the seen. You know that, right? Way busier. And so just these little encouragement that just dropped like manna from heaven. I didn't need to get this, did we? But he gave it to us because he goes, here you go. It's not mundane. This is what you do. And then God takes it like broken bread and poured out wine, right? That's what he does. And so it's because you guys, it's because you give. It's because you pray. It's because you sacrificially you know, come and invite people. I mean, really, 75 ladies are new. It's because you invited them. It's because you invited them. And so we just want to thank you up front uh, for all that you do in your servant hearts. Open mic? Right. Open mic. Open, all right. Open you got mic. it. All right. All right, let's do open mic. My favorite part. My favorite part. All right. You know what that means, right? You. You get to speak. All right. I want to, uh, anybody that wants to share, Whatever's on your heart, what God is not whatever's on your heart. <laughs> oh, my kids are doing this, my, this, this, this. my husband, you know, the dog pooped on the rug. No, okay. <laughs> All right, I want you to share what God's teaching you this weekend. What God's teaching you this weekend. Oh, Chris. Okay. Um, well, my daughter just got engaged last night. And she's been dating um, uh, a man uh, for the past six years that is an atheist, and she's a believer, um, but he's really pulled her away from the faith. And so my husband and I have been praying for years and talking to her all the time about why are you dating him, why are you dating him, and um, um, it's, been, it's been a struggle, and we kept praying to God, God, please break him up. Please break up this relationship. This is not what we want for our daughter. We think she can do better, you know, et cetera. And, um, but um, today God spoke to my heart and said, you know, you self-righteous person, you, who do you think you are? I died for both of you. And um, I didn't just die for you, I died for him too. And I love him as much as I love you. So um, it's like hit me like a, you know, a brick. Um, so um, when I was on the walk, um, I took out my phone and I called my daughter and I asked to talk to her fiance. And so he was right there and um, I'm sure she was wondering what I, you know, what am I doing here? <laughs> um, but I said, um, I said, I just want you to know that um, I'm, I'm really happy that you're going to be my son-in-law and I look forward to getting to know you better and for you to be a part of our family. So I just want you to know that, um, you know, I just want to grow in this relationship with you and um, I'm really looking forward to it. So, and he said, well, thank you very much. And I, I just thought, you know, I, I just, I want to start this out on the right foot and, um, and God just wants me to love him and that's what I'm going to do, so. Anybody else? 
Rebecca. I shared with some of the ladies um, Thursday night and some breakthroughs that have happened in my life. Um, but one of the things that Margot said last night, um, for those of you that got here Friday, um, I was in an abusive marriage for nine years. I got pregnant and married, and um, I did um, not have custody of my son when we divorced. And my son is 34 years old, and um, I hadn't seen him in person since he was 10. And I was believing and believing and believing that God was going to bring him back. And a year ago, I spoke with him. And he told me he was a believer. But he said, um, I know this is going to hurt your feelings, but it's easier for me to believe that you're dead than believe that you're my mother. But one of the things he said to me was, have you really forgiven dad? And I said, oh, yeah, I have. And um, oh, by the way, my son called me in. May, and said, what are you doing tonight? And I said, nothing. He said, can I come over and see you? So he came to my house, pulled up in my driveway, and 24 years later, I got to hug my son. And we sat at my kitchen counter, and we cried, and we laughed, and we laughed, and we cried. And I had asked him for forgiveness, but he asked me for forgiveness. He said, forgive me for treating you the way I treated you all those years. But he remembered the truth because he told me he remembered stuff from when he was two years old. And he remembered what had actually happened. But what Margot said last night was, and I have forgiven my ex-husband, but I hadn't gone that step further to pray for him and wish him well. And that's the one last piece. And when I took that walk today around the lake, and we had taken it yesterday with a friend who couldn't walk it, so we drove and we read it together. But when I took it by myself today, and I could stand there, there was no name I could put in that blank. Because God has reconciled those relationships. And my prayer for all of you ladies, just like Chris said, we think we know better because there are children we know better. No, they were his children first. And when God says, let them go, he means, let them go. And, you know, we can lead a horse to water, but we can't make him drink. But sometimes we have to get out of the way of the trough so that they can get to the source. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. <clears throat> yes. You know you've forgiven when you can wish them well. Because your outer garment is what? Love. It's love. Who else? What's God doing in your life? Erin? Hi. My name is Erin. And when I came up here, it was because I felt a tug on my heart. And I didn't know why. I knew that the topic was forgiveness. And I thought I had forgiven all the wrongs that had been done to me. And I thought, all right, God's got a plan. I don't know what it is. And I realized um, up here I've been holding a grudge against my mother. Um, she really abandoned me as a, a child. She left us to kind of fend for ourselves. Um, 
And I thought I had, I was okay with it, but I realized I still had a lot of anger because I felt like she never loved us, she never valued us, and there was no affirmation from my mother. And I realized in the prayer walk today that I was putting my hope in my mother. I, she's 70 now, and I kept thinking someday she's going to love me for who I am and not for who she thinks she wants me to be. And I realized today that I don't need her to love me for who I am because God loves me for who I am. Amen. Amen. And um, I also realized that I, I've, I've held so much resentment that I need to be forgiven for how I've treated my mother um, because I haven't treated her with respect. I haven't treated her as a child of God. I've treated her as somebody who mistreated me. And I need to go home and tell her that I'm sorry. change and that's okay she may not recognize it but she's a child of God just like I am and I need to give her that chance and pray that her heart is open you talked about the closed door and I've closed the door on my mother and my mother has struggled spiritually and I I to some degree I feel like I have not been a witness to my mother so this is just an, uh, an amazing journey and I want to thank you, Margo, for the prayer walk and for what it, it means my whole world is going to change, but I think it will change for the better. Yeah. Right. Woo! <laughs> victory. Right? Victory. Victory, victory, victory. Who else? Who else? Sue? Um, I never met this lovely lady before. And she was my writing partner all the way up here. Karen, you've given her to me. <laughs> and it's funny because we had no idea what you were going to speak on. Um, and we were talking about forgiveness all the way up here. I wasn't raised <coughs> in an I love you home. So when my daughter got married, I told her, you can say I love you to your blue in the face. I love you is spoken as easy as hello. But to humble yourself enough to say please forgive me means more than anything else. Because the way I was raised, I didn't tell my children a whole lot that I loved them. I showed it to and they do that. But up here, I have learned partially responsible for my son dying. And for me to say, 
God bless his life. And God, give him blessings abundantly. The first time I've been able to say it. God had a plan to take my son. That's what I have to stand on. God grew my ovaries back so he could be conceived. So I knew he was a gift of God. We have to walk in such obedience and hang on to the fact that this is God's plan. It's not a punishment. It isn't anything we've done wrong. Yes, we face the consequences for our trials. But you know, we have to stand on the rock because the roots have to grow as deep as a palm tree's roots so that when the storm comes, we are not knocked down. Amen. Thanks, Sue. Thanks, Sue. Sue's adult son moved to heaven about six months ago. And uh, I thank you for proclaiming God's forgiveness uh, over your nephew. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? I just have a spurring in my heart that we, I need to wait. Someone needs to share. He's like, I hope she doesn't pick me. <laughs> I guess I don't have the, um, the whole forgiveness thing because it's been a couple years of just learning to do that. And, you know, the same theme keeps coming up about, like, mothers and... You know, family members, they can't get But, you know, I do want to speak to the, the hope in it. Because I also had a mother, and I thought it was just me. Never spoke, I love you, never. Um, I look like her, like my daughter looks like me. And I almost felt like she hated me because she always said, oh, you are married to this most wonderful man, which I am. But it was almost like a jealousy or a this, and I could just never win, you know. And I have a twin sister. And, that one, she could do anything, and oh, poor Lynn, you know, but I was always, you know, had to take care of her, and, you know, and I was raised with five boys, so I was mother to all, <laughs> because I, I don't know, God does put in me a, a ability to see a hurt or whatever, because I think I was first hurted, that's even, I don't know, hurted is right <laughs> but I think that's the whole thing, that's why we go through these trials, you can't be compassionate unless you you know, have felt like, you know, it wasn't offered to you, you know, and um, I've always been a fighter of the ones that can't speak for themselves. And, um, but the hope and the promise and the, everyone's here, you know, Chris and everyone with people in their lives that you, you first had animosity towards or, you know, like, oh Lord, change your heart, you know, or we're being righteous or anything. You just gotta have to stand firm on who you are in God and 
And it's so cute right now because my mother, who I'm like, really? I'm the one that has to take care of her. I have six siblings. I'm the one that I've lived the life of an 84-year-old because <laughs> I'm going to all the doctor appointments and she's losing her memory. And the coolest thing is if you keep taking that right next step and uh, at the end of August, I lost my brother. And once again, I had to walk that journey with him too. And he was an alcoholic for 25 years and I walked 20 of those with him. Um, visiting him in prison and, and I'm like, you know, and I had to forgive my family because I'm like, there's seven of us. Why is it always me, you know? And now I thank God and I was able to say thank you because though I wouldn't wish this on anybody, you know, you know that there's a God when you go through these things. And he's so awesome and like all you guys here are my family. I mean, I love this retreat because it's a little slice of heaven because we come from so many different churches and walks and everything. But in this place, he is definitely here and it is so cool and it just rejuvenates me to keep going on. And the cutest thing, and I want you know, you know, Aaron to know and everything, if you, you just do the next right thing and you open that door. My mother, oh, she's losing her mind. I really believe the Lord's speaking through her. She's like, oh, and you're gonna get devil blessings in heaven when you get there, that's all you do for me. You know, and, um, <clears throat> And I, I've learned to love her. You know, I've just learned to be there, and I've learned to accept that she was unable because she didn't have love in her life to love me. Um, and I'm just praying for that next generation with my daughter that she can grow further and show love. And, and, and you know, and she has actually been a true mentor to me, too, my daughter. She can Praise do God. that, you know. So God will reward your blessings if you just allow and, and you know it's hard to do but just be un, not selfish you know it's not about you and really they will come around in the end and you thank know, you Lord that's all I gotta say. you know what's so sweet is that Val uh, said oh I wish I was there and she texted me as we we're coming up and we were praying for all you guys and she said I'm gonna be the first person to sign up next year and I said well you know there's room why don't you come now really I'll be right there so uh, that was Thursday, and she was able to come on Friday. But, but that's what God does, doesn't he? That's what God does. The last thing I want to share is that this is the scarf I made. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh no. Oh, no. But hey, I did make a very cool scarf like I see on you guys this weekend. Was that a great craft or what? Oh, what a sweet, sweet thing. I did. I'm sorry? No, I made this one. No, the one there. Oh. I know, so I mean, look at them. I mean, they rock, right? And so, and so I'm so thankful because I am not a craft person, really. I, I was able to tie them, and I tied them well. Everybody else did the rest. <laughs> so thank you, Lord. Body of Christ coming together. Take it away, Susan. With your likeness, Lord Jesus, not ours but yours, putting off the old and putting on the new self. Only by the power of your spirit, we thank you and praise you for what you're going to do in your name. Amen. You may have a seat. Amen. 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 Oh, may this journey be a blessing. May we rise on wings of faith, right? That's what it is, a journey, right? It's a journey, right? It's a process. Somebody asked me that today. 
They're like, Margo, you know, uh, I mean, I should have done this, right? I said, no, see, you just do the next right thing. It's a process. You just keep doing the next right thing. And just like Erin shared, God has now brought her to the point where, you know, she needs to go and ask forgiveness from her mom. How sweet is that? Chris shared that she needs to pour love instead of self-righteousness on this man that needs to know Jesus. Personally, passionately, powerfully, and preeminently over his life. That can only come from a heart that is forgiven. Right? We are forgiven to forgive. It is relentless forgiveness. Today we're going to look at uh, I forgive you, but. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer one more time. Lord, uh, we, tend to, we tend to do that. <laughs> we tend to go, oh, you know what, I forgive you. Uh, but what about this? What about this guy? What about that? What about what they did to me? And I ask tonight that uh, there would be no more excuses. I ask tonight that uh, whatever it takes for us to come to the end of our sin and the end of ourselves, that you would do it. Because you're always drawing us in loving kindness. You're always drawing us in loving kindness. And so, Lord, may we be receptive to you. May we hear you. May we be uh, all here. Still our hearts, Lord. Still our tummies from a wonderful banquet. May we hear you, God. May we want to be here. Be all here. And Holy Spirit, just have your way tonight. Have your way. Just speak in and through me. Lord, speak in and through Susan. And we give you the praise right now because we know that this night is already done in the heavenlies. And we're just joining you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Philip Yancey, the guy that wrote the book I told you about this morning, he said, forgiveness is another way of admitting I'm human. I'm human. I make mistakes. I want to be granted that privilege, so I grant you that privilege. Don't you want to be granted that privilege? Don't you want to be forgiven? Therefore, I grant you that privilege. You guys know who Corey Ten Boom is? I love Corey Ten Boom. Uh, what's the name of the book, guys, she wrote? Um, Hiding Place, Hiding Place. Thank you, Hiding Place. This is a little excerpt from it, and just listen. Because her family had provided a safe shelter for Jewish refugees, Corrie Ten Boom was captured and forced to endure horrendous atrocities in a Nazi concentration camp. Following her sister's death in Ravensbrück, she writes, A great loneliness filled my heart. Alone. Alone in Ravensbrück. No more of those wonderfully encouraging conversations with Betsy. No longer that lively spirit and that childlike faith to buoy me up. But suddenly, a sense of peace came over me. Yes, more than that, a feeling of sheer joy. I went to the washroom where the dead were laid out. There I saw 11 bodies lying on the floor. People who wanted to wash had to step over them. The regime had no respect for the dead. I fled from the room. A few minutes later, I returned, and then I saw the face of my Betsy, full of peace, happy as a child. She looked incredibly young. It was a bit of heaven in the midst of the surrounding hell. I saw how blessed she was, and I thought of her present state of happiness in heaven. Joy flood, flooded my soul and remained there, triumphant over the grief of my loss. 
How dark and burdensome days can be. My soul was a battleground of a struggle between light and darkness. Would joy for Betsy's release or grief for my own loss win the battle? I prayed this. Teach me, Lord, to bear the burden in this dark and weary day. Let me not complain to others of a hard and lonely way. Every storm to thee is subject, storms of earth or mind and heart. Only to thy will submitting can to me thy peace impart. So to suffer, so keep silence, so be yielded to thy will. So in weakness learn thy power. Teach me, Father. Teach me still. Do you realize where she said that? She said that in a Nazi concentration camp. After her only joy of being able to share with her Christian sister, Betsy, had moved to heaven. There was a lady who had new clothes on. There was a lady who had God's wardrobe on. She was done with the old clothes. And she'd already put on those new clothes. See, that's how Corey Tenboom lived her life. Real joy. Internal, real joy. Coming from Jesus internally, internally, in the midst of unspeakable circumstances unspeakable circumstances. She had put on those new clothes. Rather odd inside of a Nazi concentration camp, isn't it? But she was living in Colossians 3, what we learned this morning. She was living, it's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes that you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with what? His label on it. With whose label? With his label on it. She knew that she knew that she had been chosen by God, and she had a heart full of love, full of his love, full of his compassion. He was dressed, she was dressed in his wardrobe, full of compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, that patience, even-tempered, Content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Wouldn't she have said, really, Lord? Really, Lord, in this stench? In this circumstance? Look how I was wronged. Look at this. Look at what I was doing for you, hiding these Jews. Look what I was doing. And here I am, hell on earth. Really? That wasn't Corey's response. Did you hear what she said? Teach me, Lord, to bear the burden in the dark and weary day. Let me not complain to others of a hard and lonely way. So to suffer, so keep silence, so be yielded to thy will, so in weakness learn thy power. Teach me, Father, teach me, Father, in this stench, unspeakable circumstance. Can you say that? Teach me, Father. Teach me still. Can I say that? You can if you've taken off the old clothes and you're putting on the new. 
with his label, because that's his label that allows you to walk down the runway of life, doing just that with relentless forgiveness, because we are forgiven to forgive. And Corey Ten Boom knew that. You and I probably would, will never have to go through what Corey Ten Boom did. Do we say that? Later on in Corey Ten Boom's uh, elderly years, she uh, was um, approached by a former Nazi officer who came up to her. He was the one who had abused her and had abused her sister as he was assisting in the death of the other prisoners. He came up to her, he saw her at, she used to do a lot of speaking, and he saw her at one of these uh, speaking engagements. And he told her he had become a Christian. And he proceeded to put out his hand to shake her hand and to ask Corey to forgive him. And at first, Corey sort of recoiled. And then, in obedience to God, with all her new clothes on, with his label shining, she reached out her hand. She felt the surge of the Holy Spirit go through her because he was doing that. She couldn't do that. He was doing that. And she gave him that supernatural act of forgiveness. Another incredible example of forgiveness is Chuck Colson. Do you guys remember Chuck Colson? He was Nixon's hitman for Watergate. For Watergate. And he founded Prison Fellowship. He actually came to Christ in prison because he was put in prison because of his involvement in Watergate, and he came to Christ. After that, he founded Prison Fellowship. And Chuck Colson tells a story about a Mrs. Washington. And it was, it was during a graduation ceremony for inmates who had completed the uh, Prison Fellowship uh, program, and this Mrs. Washington swept up to the stage as this young man was graduating and walking across the platform. And she hugged him, and she said to everybody in the crowd, this is my adopted son. And everyone in the crowd had tears in their eyes because they knew that this young man was behind bars for the murder of Mrs. Washington's daughter. This is my adopted Forgiven to forgive. Accounts like this are amazing. How could people like Corey and Mrs. Washington endure such great injustices and then turn around to forgive those villains? It's simple. They'd already put the new label on. It was already on. His label was already on. It wasn't their label. They simply obeyed the command of Ephesians 4.32, which says... Forgive each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Right? We know this. And that same verse is for us today. Forgive from our hearts, just as God forgave us. He did by taking our sins. He took all our old, stinky clothes upon himself. Charles Spurgeon says this. Let us go to Calvary, meaning the cross. Let us go to Calvary to learn how we may be forgiven. And let us linger there and learn how to forgive. Let us go to Calvary and learn how we may be forgiven. 
but let us linger there and let us learn how to forgive. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, still lost, right? He died for us so we could be found. For us, forgiving others means that we are willing to live with the consequences of another person's sins. Are you willing? It's your choice, you know. You have a choice to forgive and receive the blessings, or you have a choice to live in unforgiveness and receive the consequences of what will happen to you psychologically, physically, relationally, horizontally, as we learned, and then our relationship with God. See, when we're dressed in his compassion, his kindness, his humility, his quiet strength, his discipline, Colossians 3 says, then we're quick to forgive. We're quick to forgive. And we forgive completely. That's done. Because remember, God knows it's good for us. It's absolutely good for us. And we grow up in our faith. Who doesn't want to grow up in their faith? Right? Grow up in their faith. We want to grow up. God's intention for us is to continue to grow up in our faith. You know, when you came to know Jesus Christ, right, you went from darkness to light. That was just the start. Now we are on, it's called sanctification, we are on a growing mission, right, in this journey, in this journey. It just didn't, you know, it, it doesn't just stop with us going, oh yeah, I believe that. It's continuing. Saved means that we went from dark to light, and then we continue being saved until we have our salvation complete in heaven one day. Colossians 3.13, which has been our key verse all this weekend. Paul writes, bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances we have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And did he forgive you even before you did your stuff? Yeah, he did. He was already forgiving you. Remember from this morning, I told you how you need to forbear, forbear, and I forbear with my husband because I, he rearranges the dishes in the dishwasher, right? Little quirks, little quirks that we're supposed to forbear. Brian and I went to a uh, full-day marriage conference. Maybe some of you have as well. Uh, it was um, Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. Have you guys ever heard that? It's, it's excellent. It's by Mark Gunger. We went to uh, Madison, and... Uh, uh, once again, after 26 years of marriage, we confirmed that we absolutely are opposites. We are absolutely opposites, you know, even in our passion for life. And they had us take this little quiz and do a little stuff and everything. And so we looked at each other and we started sharing. And I said, he goes, this doesn't surprise me. And I looked at him and I said, yours doesn't surprise me. And, and mine ended up being Margot, fun and peace. Okay? Brian, control and perfect. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean... It's wrong, okay? It means this is my personality, this is Brian's personality, okay? It doesn't mean I have a better personality than Brian. Brian doesn't have a better personality than me. That's how God created us. He created our personalities, and now he is recreating us to bear with one another. That's a good thing. You can look at it as a bad thing, but you know what? Your life isn't going to be miserable. It's a good thing. He wants us to be recreated, right? We complete each other. We don't compete. We complete each other. So it's in the context of committed relationships where we either learn 
to be kind and patient and loving. In other words, you've put on his label clothes or you blow apart. You either learn that or you blow apart. Loving each other inevitably means forgiving each other. That's the outer garment that goes over all of it. Love is the all-purpose garment. Never be without it. You know, you may be tempted to write down a log, you know, how many times you've forgiven that person, right, and this and that, and boy, it seems like I've forgiven a lot more than Brian and this, this. You know, you could do that. But Jesus says, right, we need to forgive as many times as what? We've been offended, right? As many times as we've been offended, we learned that we are to forgive. It may seem unfair, just like Peter, I'm sure, thought, really? I'm always doing the forgiving. It seems sort of unfair. Yet forgiveness calls us to do that. We're forgiven to pass it along. We've been given grace so we in turn can be gracious. It just comes in and flows out of us. In and flows out of us. We're supposed to be overflowing, right? We are filled up to the overflow. And remember that in the confinement of our homes, we're going to say and do things that are offensive to loved ones. You can probably stop and think of something right now that you did even before you left. You probably were anxious. You probably were this, or maybe you, you know, said something on the phone even this weekend. I'm sure of it. Look at you guys are already laughing. Right? I mean, right? That's what happens. You know, even the best of us, the best of us, will feel hurt, will feel put down, will feel rejected. But if we let that root of bitterness grow up in us, the writer of Hebrews says it will defile many. It will pollute over everything. It will puke over everyone. Not just you, not the person that you won't forgive, over everyone. It will defile many. Our unforgiveness grows into bitterness and affects everyone. And we learn that it erupts in anger, it erupts in disease, it erupts in stress, it erupts in pain, like we learned last night. Mirani, my sister, gave me permission to use this example. Um, this is years ago, and I remember uh, calling her, and actually, no, she called me. She called me, and uh, it was about her husband. And it was that she could not forgive him for such and such. And she's telling me all about it. She's just, just going on and on and on. I can hear the kind of in her, vo in her voice. She was, you know, and she was venting and she was sharing. And, you know, when that happens, they want you to join in with them. You know that, right? They want to gather their posses. Join in. Join in. You have to be Always looking up, man, and always listening to the Holy Spirit because they want you to join in. And guess what? From your own frame of reference, it'd be very easy to. Because coming from a background that I've come from, from an abusive ex-husband, etc., oh, I could join right in. And so I let her talk. I could hear the bitterness. I could hear the excuses all piling up. I mean, at one point, she even goes, are you there? Are you there? Margo, are you even there? I'm like, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. Okay. And so she goes on. She goes, well, don't you think? Don't you think? And then it was silence. And I, and I just stopped. And I said, Mirani, you have a choice right now to forgive him or not. You have that choice. 
And I suggested that she would say to Jesus, if my husband never changes, Lord, change me. I don't want to say that. <laughs> I know, Mirny. I've been there. But that's your choice. You can either choose to do the next right thing before the Lord or not. And if my husband never changes, Lord, change me. See, our mom did that with our dad. She was Jesus with skin on to us. Oh, my dad loved Jesus, but he could never get over the anger and the bitterness of how he grew up and the victim of this and all that. So it spilled over onto everybody. My mom did that with my dad. And I remember her saying, you know, Margo, I may be the only Jesus that he ever sees. So, Lord, have at me. Can you say that? See, his label was being seen by her husband, my dad. And I am a testament to that because by the end of my dad's life, he had changed. But it was only because she kept two inches close to the cross. Oh, I'm so forgiven. How can I not forgive? I got married 26 years ago on May 27, 1987 to uh, Brian in Maui. It was an amazing wedding. However, his parents did not think so. Uh, Brian is an only child. Uh, they went through infertility. And uh, there was inordinate affection for Brian. Nothing weird, but just, you know, this is my kid. And enter Margot uh, with, a, with a past and a background in New Jersey and Madison and this, this, uh, to Brian from Northwest 100 People, Podunk Town in Iowa. And those two were not supposed to get together according to his mom. And so she tried to do everything possible in my life to make sure we didn't get together. But we did. And after we got married, she still tried to do everything possible to tell her how, to tell me, excuse me, how I was the wrong person. She called many, many times, and uh, I remember answering the phone. And I, she would just berate me and belittle me and all types of things. And I remember saying things to her like, you know, Gladys, I said, you know, I need to hang up the phone right now because this isn't really a productive conversation. I said, but you know what, I'll call you back later, and I love you. And then I'd get off the phone and go, God, are you serious? Jesus, what? Don't let me lose my testimony with her. Oh, God, don't. She doesn't know you. She doesn't know you. Oh, Lord, forgive her. 
right? She doesn't know. She doesn't know you. And time and time and time again, she would call and call and call to the point where she said, Margo, you know what? I wish you were dead. I'm like, oh, Father, forgive her. She doesn't know what she's saying. That went on for eight years. Eight years, Brian and I would pray. Eight years, I would pick up that phone. Eight years, I would tell her, I love you, Mom. Only because of the Holy Spirit pouring through me. The flesh wanted to wring her neck. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit just kept, but you have to choose it. You have to forgive relentlessly. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Well, eight years later, she went uh, to have routine back surgery. And it didn't end up being routine. Uh, she died twice on the table. They had to flip her over. She lost 38 units of blood. People usually don't live through that. She gained 70 pounds of water weight. Uh, we quickly uh, drove out there. Uh, we did not recognize her even in ICU. She was supposed to have a 10% chance of living. And God, in his miraculous, mysterious way as he works, had my mom write her a letter because she knew she was going in for routine back surgery. And so my mom wrote this letter and just shared with her her life and her testimony and praying for her and sharing, you know, I, I'm just praying for your safety and protection, how much Jesus loves you, and just is pouring into her and tells her own story of how she comes to Jesus. Well, we get out there, and the nurse says, um, Brian, you have to tell your mom that she's holding on in one hand to a letter, and she, you know, she needs all the ounce of energy she possibly can because she you know, only has a 10% chance of living. So you have to take it from her. In the other hand, because we didn't have children yet, she was holding the only baby we had, our collie. So here she's got a picture of the collie and this letter that we don't know about. And Brian said, Mom, can we read this to you? Because the nurses had read it to her already. And she was intubated, but she was uh, lucid, and she said, yeah. She nodded her head. And so Brian proceeded to read this letter from my mom. Perfectly timed, perfectly there, God going before, making the way. At the end of Brian reading it, he looks down at mom and he says, you know, mom, wouldn't you like to know Jesus like Mary does? Because, you know, if you moved tonight to eternity, where would you go, Mom? Wouldn't you like to know Jesus like Mary? And she had a chalkboard, and she painstakingly wrote, I already do. See, when the nurses read that to her, she accepted Jesus. She held on to it. Because when she moved to heaven, she wanted to show him, I believe this. I believe this. On the way home, uh, Brian's dad was taking uh, him to the airport to fly home. And Brian said to his dad, Dad, wouldn't you like to know Jesus like Mom? And he goes, yeah, I would. So here's the only son that they had leading his dad to Jesus. Forgiveness. 
forgiveness is worth it. You're wearing his label, which allows him to be seen. And people, maybe not in your timing, because I would have liked it, you know, in eight hours, not eight years. But in his timing, to be changed. And many times, we come up with all kinds of excuses why we shouldn't forgive. Let me tell you, I went through all kinds of excuses in my head not to forgive Gladys. I mean, there should be no, in fact, I remember saying, you know, it's not fair. It's not fair. You know what? Of course it's not fair. It's not fair. But we all live with the consequences of another person's sin. We all do. Adam and Eve started the whole shebang, right? We all live with the consequences of somebody else's sin. We are stuck with that, but we have a choice. Remember, if we're going to either live in the bondage of bitterness or in the freedom of forgiveness. The other excuse I used uh, is, uh, you know, but, but Lord, you don't know how much she hurt me. I mean, you have no idea how much she hurt me. That is not the issue. That person may hurt you again. It's not the issue. Forgiveness is what stops the pain. Forgiving that person. Where is your focus? On how does this affect me? Or Lord, what do you want me to learn through this? The other excuse I used is, you know, I got to heal first, Lord. I mean, this is really hurting. I got to heal first. I got to heal first, heal first. Then I'll be able to forgive. You know, heal me first. Then I can forgive. And remember what research shows over and over and over again that forgiveness brings healing. See, we have it backwards. It's the forgiveness that brings healing. You have the cart before the horse on that one. The other excuse that I used is, you know what? I want revenge. I really do. I sort of want payback. I, 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 you know, I, I really want to, you know, and I mean, even, even mouthing that. To this day, I think, oh, God. You're the one who says, you know, I'll repay. I know their hearts. I know who they are, Margot. I will restore them. You know what? Even in your revenge, you'd blow that. I do it perfectly because I want to have restoration. It's not out of the flesh. It's who I am, a perfect God who wants to restore that. The next excuse I used is, you know, well, why should I let her off the hook? Why should I let her off the hook? And remember, if you don't forgive, you are still hooked to that offense. If you don't forgive, if I wouldn't have forgiven Gladys, I'm hooked to that offense. You gain freedom from the past, like Rebecca shared, right? If you let others off the hook. But remember, those people aren't off God's hook. They're off your hook, but they're not off God's hook. You can choose your sin, but you what? Can't choose your consequences. They're not off God's hook. But God, God's hook wants to restore them, wants to draw them in loving kindness to them so they too can experience being forgiven to forgive. And the other thing is, as I used to say to, to myself as I was going through this with an excuse, you know, well, where's the justice, God? I mean, where's the justice in this? And he quietly in the still of my heart said, it's in the cross, Margot. It's in the cross. 
Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died for my sins. His sins, her sins, and your mother-in-law's sins. And just like Chris came to say, you know what? He loves me and he loves my mother-in-law the same because he is love. It's, what he, it's who he is, not who I am. It's who he is. Scott Wesley Brown wrote this chorus. It says, meet me at the foot of the cross where the ground is even for us all, where every root of bitterness melts into forgiveness and every broken heart is made whole. Meet me at the foot of the cross. You know, many of you know my testimony, and you know, I, 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 you know, I lived in religion for all of my life. I grew up, you know, going to church 80 times a week, you know, doing all the Pioneer Girls stuff, doing all the choir stuff, doing everything. I mean, going to, you know, Bible camps, doing everything, and all the stuff, doing all the stuff, and never coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ until I was 31 years old, only because my mom and my sisters were praying for me. Never give up. You always pray. He always goes after you. He always goes after you with his eternal thumb pressure. He goes, hey, Margo, I love you. Hey, Margo, I love you. Hey, Margo, I love you. And through all of my sin, through all of my yuck, you know what my mom would do? She'd lay me at the foot of the cross. She'd lay me at the foot of the cross. And she'd leave me right there. She chose to forgive me. And she let Jesus work out his plan in my life. I remember before she moved to heaven eight years ago, she said, um, you know, Margot, I always knew. Even if, even if I had moved to heaven before you, know, you had come to know him personally and passionately in this, I always knew you would, because that's who he is. That's who he is. That's growing up your faith. See, she had new clothes on. She had his label on. And forgiveness cancels a debt that someone owes you, and it restores that relationship. It restores that relationship, and it is the only solution in this absolute sin-ridden world. It's the only solution to help us start over again. And don't we love the fact that we get a start over? He's a God of what? Second chances. He's the God of second chances. And the closer we connect with God vertically and understand the forgiveness that he has given us, the more able we are to forgive each other horizontally, like Michelle shared on Thursday night when she shared her testimony via video. See, our relationships become reflections of our own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to hear me again. Our relationships become reflections of our own relationship with Jesus Christ. So you check yourself and say, am I following hard after him? Am I forgiving? Am I, you know, am I doing non-negotiable face-to-face time with him? Am I in the word? Am I in prayer? Am I, am I walking and confessing like 1 Thessalonians says, to pray without ceasing, that confessing, that forgiveness, that walk? See, because if you assume the responsibility to grow up your faith, to grow in Christ as you forgive others around you, guess what? Your relationships, your family environment, everybody will win. 
everybody will win. Before Susan comes up, I want to just close with a story uh, about 18 years ago where everybody won at a family retreat in uh, Door County. Brian and I were there, uh, and Becca was about three months old. And uh, it was a family retreat, uh, and it was just in this lower level of this resort. And I remember that we were there, and all, the kids were all being taken care of in nurseries, and we as couples were to write a letter to one another. Steve Sonderman uh, asked us to write a letter to one another, a love letter to one another whatever we needed to say to one another. And I'm writing away, writing away. We're sitting at this table across from each other. And um, I look up, and Brian has hardly put pen to paper. Now, he's an engineer, and he doesn't write a lot. You know, if he does, it's factual. You know, he, he reads factual. Okay, and so uh, I'm thinking, all right, and I'm writing this love letter, and he's pretty much writing nothing to me. And uh, I'm like, okay, Lord, well, all right, I'll, I'll okay. We got done, and Steve said we were to be done. And he said, okay, now would you just share with one another this? I want you to share. Well, I figured I better go first. He hasn't said anything, right? So he said, hey, honey, can I go first? I mean, he's just got doodles on him. And he looked at me, and he says, um, I want to share with you something that's been on my heart. I want to share that uh, a year prior to this at Promise Keepers, I had asked Jesus to forgive me vertically. But I've never come to you and asked for forgiveness. So he proceeded to share with me his struggle with lust and how God had delivered him from that bondage at Promise Keepers, and how he had an accountability partner from Promise Keepers, and how God had wonderfully delivered him. I looked at him, and I said, "Hun, can I be right back? I need to go to the restroom. And I ran to this little tiny restroom that, you know, is in like a little tiny resort with just, you know, a potty and just a little sink that juts out of the wall, and a little mirror above that, and I promptly threw up. I never in a million years thought that my husband would have struggled with that. And what happened in that bathroom is when I looked up from that mirror, there was still vomit on my face. And the Lord said to me, Do you know all the yuck you've done? Do you know all the sin that you've done? Do you see it all over you? That's what I've forgiven. I have forgiven you to forgive him. So I walked out, I cleaned up, I walked out, and Brian is sitting over in the corner, a shell of a man. And I come up behind him, and I put my arms around him from behind. And I said, oh, honey, I love you. You are so forgiven. I said, because I am so forgiven, so are you. 
I said, I am so thankful that you shared that with me. I am so thankful that you're walking out of that bondage. I am so thankful that you're able to share your heart with me. And I forgive you. We went to breakfast later uh, to one of my favorite places, the White Gull Inn. And it was packed as usual. And so I had gone in to check, and it was really packed. We had a three-month-old. We thought, you know what, Let, we're not going to wait. But on the counter, they had those French-milled soaps. And it was a bright white French-milled soap. And so I bought it. And I told him, came back out to the van. I said, honey, you know what, it's really jammed. We should probably go somewhere else. He's like, okay, great. And I said, but, but I want to give you something. And I gave him this white, pure French-milled soap, this big. I said, you know what, Brian? Here is a memory that you know, that you know, that you're forgiven. Do you know he still keeps that soap in his glove compartment? Because he's forgiven. And only by God's grace have I not brought it up one time in 18 years because I relentlessly forgive. That's who he is. That's what he wants for you. I'm going to invite Susan up to be able to share her story. She has a story uh, of forgiveness uh, that she wants to share with you. And uh, so let's listen to her now. I wrote a song, um, yeah, let's sing it. Um, I wrote a song, um, just, I wanted, I wanted to express what it's like to, um, to say, God, I count it all joy as I stand in the middle of the flame, as I stand in the storm, as I stand in the darkness, um, help me to look more like you. Hang on. Is my nose running as I'm singing?
It is, uh, in closing, forgiveness is always worth it. Uh, when all is said and done, I had to give up the power, I had to give up the pride, I had to give up the hurt, I had to give up all the old stinky clothes to be released from the grip of bitterness. And the other person, the one that needs to be forgiven, like Susan, 
But you know what she needed? Our unconditional love. And that's just what Roger did. The other person that needs to be forgiven needs our unconditional love. If you look at the screen, 1 Peter 4.8 says, Love covers what? A multitude of sins. <coughs> a multitude of sins. Forgiveness is a choice you make based on the forgiveness you've already received in Jesus Christ. And I am convinced that God's primary keys in relationships that unlocks them is the power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness may be your husband, maybe your ex-husband, maybe your mom, daughter, dad, sister, brother, aunt, uncle, coworker, <coughs> friend. I am convinced that that's how God unlocks them is through forgiveness. It won't be, I forgive you, but, anymore. It's not, I forgive you, but, in all the excuses. It'll be, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. <coughs> Relentless forgiveness. You know why? Because you have on God's wardrobe. You have his label on. Roger had on God's wardrobe. His label. And now Susan does too. You know, I almost forgot an addendum to my story, sort of like Doris's story uh, in our video, that um, years later, Brian and I went to another retreat. It was a couple's retreat. And the husbands were asked to write down the kindest, the best thing that your wife has ever done for you. Just on a piece of paper, write it down, and then share it with your wife. And most guys wrote down things like, you know, you could hear him like, oh, she threw me like a 40th birthday party or, you know, my kids or, you know, all these different things or, you know, uh, she, all these different sweet, very kind things. My husband wrote down simply, she forgave me completely, fully, just like Jesus did. That's only him. Relentlessly forgive, just as Jesus commanded us to do. Tonight, as Susan is going to come and close and worship for us, I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. The first thing I'm going to ask you to do is to come forward and to relentlessly forgive. And just as an act that you are, that you want to do that, I want you to be able to erase the wrong that was done to you. I want you to come up, and as a symbol, I want you to take the eraser and erase the wrong that was done to you. That you have forgiven those who have trespassed against you, and you want to continue, and you're putting a stake in the ground that I'm going to relentlessly forgive. No matter what it is, I'm going to forgive, I'm going to forgive, and I'm going to forgive again. Because that's what Jesus does with us. Because he's the God of second chances. And the other part of the invitation tonight is for those of you who have never, ever asked Jesus to forgive you. 
to forgive you of your sin, to forgive you of your yucky, ugly clothes, the vertical forgiveness that he did on the cross. I'm asking you tonight to experience that for the very first time. I'm sure there are some people in here in a crowd of 110 people that need to forgive and be forgiven and experience his complete forgiveness for the very first time. And so I want you to come forward as well. If any of you need prayer for coming to Christ, for laying down other stuff, we've been praying with you all weekend, and it's the joy of our heart. We're going to have seven prayer counselors. There are reserved chairs here for seven prayer counselors. Myself and Susan will be available as well. Come, sit in one of these chairs. The prayer council will be there. They want to pray with you. They want you to come to the point where you realize you are forgiven to forgive. And if you need to come to know Jesus, ah, there's nothing better. There's nothing better. And coming to Jesus at Fort, that rocks. So I'm going to ask you to do that. I want you to erase. You need prayer. Come now. And I'm going to ask you to do it quietly. I ask you to do it quietly. And as we come forward and as you as we come forward and do it quietly and Susan sings those of you who are not wanting prayer and this is I just ask that you leave very quietly that you walk out of the sanctuary very quietly because this is going to be a house of prayer tonight